And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of the heart. Amen. Every year on the feast of Christmas Day or at our Christmas Eve service, in worship we remember that God has come to us, that God the Father has come to us again and again and again. Every year in the cycle of time with our calendar, we celebrate this truth. The Father has come. Then there's Easter, the day of resurrection, where in worship we remember that Jesus the Son came back to us, victorious over the grave. He returns us to life again and again and again. Every year, just as we did seven weeks ago, we celebrated this truth. Jesus came back from death to bring us life. These are two holy days that have evolved in our culture into holidays. To a meager manger in the poorest region of Galilee, we've added tinsel and lights and reindeer and an endless list of decor. To the empty tomb on a dark morning lit only by two mysterious figures and a few scared women, we have added bunnies and eggs and candy and another endless list of extras. But then there's today, the day of Pentecost, where in worship we remember that the Holy Spirit, the one Jesus and the Father together promised us, that he, that Spirit, has come among us. The Spirit comes among us again and again and again. And while the Holy Spirit's entrance does complete the Trinity of God Almighty, choosing, choosing to be with us, the day of Pentecost is one that doesn't capture national attention or international attention, quite like Christmas and Easter. All three of these days, though, are engulfed in mystery. God Almighty stoops to earthly clay to become one of us. The Son of God returning to us in the power of resurrection, even though it was our sin that crucified him. And the Holy Spirit, whom we can't even see with our eyes, but can only observe through his fruits and gifts, comes to change our language and dwell in our hearts. Mary, the mother of Jesus, expressed the reaction to these great mysteries in a great way that is echoed throughout the centuries when she said to the angel Gabriel, How can this be? How can this be that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would come to us and choose to do so again and again. The truth is, friends, some of us are really uncomfortable with mystery. And I'm not talking about the genre of books that is in your local library, this mystery of understanding. We love certainty, don't we? We crave order and predictability and framework. I know the lack of those things when your children come down for the children's moments are what make many of you very nervous. And yet I love that mystery. 
I love the mystery of not knowing what's going to happen next. And perhaps God is teaching us a little something about embracing that mystery. Because you see, order, predictability, all of those are good. That's why we have an order of worship to help us and guide us through even a time of worshiping God. The problem, the problem comes in, though, when, we, when that order, when we are so resistant to mystery that we enclose our minds and our hearts only in what we can understand, only in what fits in the mindsets that we've built. It is easy to push away mystery because we long for certainty, something that can be tamed, but the Pentecost can never be tamed. You see, historically, many of our churches, including certain traditions within the United Methodist Church, have downplayed or diluted the role of the Holy Spirit. It's easier to talk about the baby in the manger or the empty tomb, images so familiar to us whether or not we even consider ourselves followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's coming on the day of Pentecost begins not with an image of something we can see, but with a sound and with a touch. As a society, we have become so dependent on our sense of sight, and we talk so often in terms of image, but the day of Pentecost asks us to feel and to hear primarily. And what we feel is a wind that has been blowing in creative love since the beginning of time. In the first chapter, in the first verse of the first book of the Bible, we hear these historic words. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God spoke. A wind from God blew upon what was lifeless and formless and void. Now fast forward a few thousand years to a small room in a small town filled with a lot of people who were praying to and singing in praise to that same creator, whom they had come to know as their father. We read about this gathering in Acts chapter 2. I encourage you to read Acts chapter 2 this week uh, to learn more. But these people who are gathered, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They have sacrificed themselves in order to follow him. And, the, and let's just imagine for a moment what we can see in the scripture is this gathering of people in this room. That's what we can see. But imagine with me what it must have looked like in heaven when this was going on. Because you see, in the heavenly realm, I imagine that the creative father smiles at the memory of that first act of creation. And then he turns to the son at his right hand, who's recently rejoined him in heaven, and he has said to his son, let's do it again. Let's send that wind of the spirit over that which is formless and isolated and in need of new creation. The time has come. They trade a smile, the father and the son, because you see, they have the same smile, for they are one and the same. And we hear in the book of Acts, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Luke, the physician and follower of Jesus who wrote our third gospel, was the one giving this account in Acts 2, and he was probably present in that room. And what he describes for us is the Holy Spirit's grand entrance 
that morning long ago. It's beautiful, it's strange, it's as baffling as that first day of creation must have been because nothing gave way to something, and that gave way to something else more beautiful than anything we could have imagined. There are flames of fire in various languages previously unknown to them, and Peter stands up, Peter, the one that had just denied Jesus less than two months earlier, and he gives the first sermon at the first service of the first church after Jesus' resurrection. And then the people and then people hear what's going on and they start throwing around accusations of drunkenness and craziness. It's a glorious and crazy day, and we don't hear, but what and what we don't hear, though, friends, is what might have happened at the end of that day. At the end of the day, after the sermon is over, after the tongues of fire have gone back into hiding. What we don't hear that what we don't hear in the scripture, but we can engage our creativity to think about is what might have happened in a conversation of Jesus' closest followers later that night as they reflected on the day's events. And very likely they would remember some very specific things Jesus had told them about something like this that might happen. And there's no doubt in our minds that the Apostle John, whose gospel lesson we heard today, is in that circle. We spent the last seven weeks talking about John and his first letter, and no doubt he is there with this small gathering. They're celebrating what God has done. They're patting Peter on the back and saying, hey man, that was a pretty good first sermon. And they're loving that they are praying and speaking in tongues. They're in awe of the number of people who have joined up with this movement called The Way that day. And yet underneath it all, underneath it all, is still that sense of mystery and awe and wonder. And I'm guessing Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in that same gathering. And she likely asked the question again, how can this be? But then there's another question that they likely brought up and that we should all be bringing to any encounter with God anytime we open his word. And that question is, what does this mean? What does all of this Pentecost wildness mean for us? That's where Luke probably put down his historian's pen and looked at John and said, we need to hear from you as the poet. We need to hear from you and remember what Jesus and, and what you remember Jesus saying about this. And so John stands up and begins to remind them of the last night before Jesus was crucified. It wasn't that long ago, only a couple of months, and yet so much has happened. How could they remember everything that Jesus told them that they need to know? They have to depend on each other's memories. They have to depend on the stories of one another. And John apparently had a very good one because he, he stands up and he says these words. And I'm going to be reading, if you want to follow along in your scripture, insert chapter 15, verse 26, and then verses 13 and 14 of chapter 16. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Sometimes, friends, when we ask God a question like, what does this mean? Or what are you saying? With each other's help, we can find in the scriptures a more direct answer than we ever expected. And Jesus gives us today, through, this, through John's passage, a direct answer about who the Holy Spirit is 
and what the Holy Spirit does. There's still so much more to learn about the Spirit, but he gives us a direct answer for this day of Pentecost and for today. Jesus tells them who the Spirit is that surprised them earlier in the day. If you look again in verse 26, we hear that he is an advocate. The Greek word there is paraclete, um, which means a counselor, one who stands in defense of. And an analogy for a good analogy for our modern uh, in our modern world is an attorney. If you are behind, if you are before a judge and you need someone to speak on your behalf to that judge and to counsel you on what to say, that Holy Spirit is the advocate, the counsel, the helper, the one that whose main only purpose there is to help you. That is what Jesus is saying to us. The Holy Spirit is he's sending an advocate whose purpose is to testify and witness to who Jesus is. And he goes on, John goes on to say that this is a, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. Listen again. Verse 13 is one that's worth committing to memory. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Right there, we have what the Spirit's purpose is in our life. He guides us. He speaks to us. He declares what is to come. He glorifies Jesus, the Son, and brings to us wisdom and power from on high. The Spirit is our counselor, our guide, and the voice that we need. We cannot see the Spirit any more than we can see the Creator when He brought forth life from that which was nothing. But we can see their fruit. We can see the work of the Father's hand. We can see the work of the Son and the work of the Spirit. We can hear the Spirit speak when our hearts are turned toward Him. And what is it? What is it that this Holy Spirit spoke on that day of Pentecost long ago? And what is He speaking to us on this day of Pentecost in 2021? He is speaking nothing but the truth. Nothing but the truth. You know, so often we think of truth in terms of what it is not. The opposite of falsehood is truth. The absence of lies is truth. And the Bible has plenty to say about lying. The Bible has plenty to say about telling the truth. And that's another sermon series for another day that we will get to eventually. But for today, this kind of truth that John speaks of and that is used to describe the Holy Spirit is all about interpreting the Word of God. It's all about interpreting what this Word is for us. all about interpreting who Jesus as the Word of God. God is to us and what we are to gain from him. This kind of truth that, God, that John speaks of and it is used to describe the Holy Spirit is all about how this word applies to our lives and how Jesus is the revealed word of God in our life. The Spirit is here to help us hear clearly what God is saying. When we bring our questions of how can this be or what does this mean to the Holy Spirit, we must always first and foremost bring it to the Holy Spirit about God's Word. You know, it's so much easier. It is so much easier for us when we don't understand something. And I do this all the time. We don't understand something. We go to somebody else, not just about Scripture, but about life. It is so much easier to talk to one another sometimes first. But when we take our questions to God first and then to one another, oh, the things that begin, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to us. But let us, and, and in doing so, we see that he reveals truth to us. In a world that is ever increasing with uncertainty, with hesitation about who to believe, what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is false, as the body of Christ, we don't have to worry, friends. 
If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you desire that Pentecost wind and fire of the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you and to counsel you, you do not need to worry. For when we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what is true, He will. It may take time and it will definitely take effort on our part. The hard work of the church begins not on Christmas Day, not on Easter Sunday, and not on the day of Pentecost. The real hard work of the church begins the day after. Uh, the day after is uh, uh, the big high holy day is when we go back into the valley of working each and every day for what Jesus called us to. Following Jesus is not easy work on our own. It is often as mysterious as the tongues of fire and the mighty rushing wind, but following Jesus is awesome work indeed, and it is worth it. So today, on this day of Pentecost, friends, let us prepare to hear nothing but the truth from the Holy Spirit, and let us prepare to hear nothing but the truth by asking him to cleanse our hearts, to free our minds from the mindsets that have so easily enslaved us, and let us open ourselves up for his visitation once again. Let's invite the same spirit that fell in such power and awe and majesty and mystery so many years ago to come and lead us, guide us, and counsel us in all that is right. And who knows, out of it might just come a brand new creation. To the Father, to the Son, and to the blessed Holy Spirit, three in one, be all glory now and forever. Amen. Let us respond to God's word.